0: Well, my friends, I want to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, chapter 1. Today, we want to truly say, thank you, mothers and all ladies. Thank you. And on this day, we especially want to give God thanks As we reflect upon the word of the Lord, in the Bible we read about a very special woman named Naomi. And in fact, we have a very special woman named Naomi here at Rosewood Church. And we might have more than one. Uh, If your name is Naomi, why don't you stand, please? Why don't you stand? Please, where are you? Yes, yes. That's Naomi. Yes, Naomi. God bless you. What wonderful names. You have, praise the Lord. Well, in the Bible, Naomi was a mother whose story is recorded in Ruth, the book of Ruth. In fact, Naomi was the mother, or mother-in-law of Ruth. In both of these women, we see a lot of outstanding, beautiful qualities. And Naomi and Ruth remind us of mothers and of other ladies who are such a blessing on a daily basis, on an ongoing basis. And I want you to just look at the first chapter here of Ruth with me. It says, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back To Judah but on the way Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law she said go back to your mother's go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me may the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept no they said we want to go with you to your people but Naomi replied Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said, she said nothing more. Amen. Amen. My dear friends, on this Mother's Day, as we reflect upon Naomi's life and also Ruth, we want to express gratitude to the Lord and we want to say thank you to all of our mothers and other women. We want to say, first of all, first of all, thank you, ladies, for your spirit of cooperation. We see this beautiful spirit of cooperation in Naomi in verses 1 and 2 where we just read. There was a severe famine in Israel and Naomi wonderfully, wonderfully cooperated with her, with her family in moving to the country of Moab. Verse 2 says, they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem. Being called Ephrathites meant that they were Jews originally from the the tribe of Ephraim. The Bible says they settled in Moab. Now Moab was the land east of the Dead Sea. The area that uh, was Moab during biblical times is now a part of Jordan. And here is a map on the big screen that can just give you a little idea. They traveled from Bethlehem, which you can see, there, uh, which is uh, just south of Jerusalem. They went from Bethlehem down to Moab, you see in red, because Moab at that point was not going through the severe famine that, uh, that Israel was going through. Now the famine must have been very severe in Israel for Naomi's husband to feel like he had to move his whole family to Moab in order to survive. What you need to be aware of is there had been a lot of tension, a lot of tension between Israel and Moab. And so Naomi and Elimelech would have only moved with their children to Moab out of great necessity. They they probably intended to stay in Moab only until the famine was over. But verse 4 tells us that they were there for at least 10 years. And by the way, uh, Naomi... His name means pleasantness. Pleasantness. The two ladies who are no, named uh, uh, Naomi here, I'm sure, knew that. But isn't that lovely that uh, their names mean pleasantness? And her husband's name was Elimelech, meaning God is his king. Now, what I especially want to draw your attention to is that Naomi was a, a woman, a wife, and a mother who showed a spirit of beautiful cooperation. And I want to say that many of you ladies here have also shown on a regular basis, on a constant basis, you show a wonderful spirit of cooperation with your children, with your husband, your relatives, your co-workers, your friends, your pastors. Amen? In many cases... A lot of you left a country, you left a country of famine to come to the promised land of Canada. The country which you left perhaps had a famine of basic necessities or a famine of job opportunities or a famine of educational opportunities for your children or in general a famine of hope. When some of you faced your first cold winter in Canada, you probably thought, man, I think I can more easily put up with a famine back home than to freeze to death in Moab, called Canada, right? Then there are some of you who have cooperated with your husband, you've cooperated with your husband moving from one part of the country to another because of job transfers and various situations. And many of you mothers have cooperated with your children after doing what you needed to do to get your child, to get them to soccer practices, baseball practices, swimming lessons, music lessons, caravan club, to church, and all kinds of other demands that your children put upon you. Ladies, whether you are a mother or you are married, single, divorced, we wanna say thank you. Thank you for your spirit of cooperation in the various phases of life. Gentlemen, would you give the ladies a hand, please? <clears> Amen. Throat> Amen. Throat> then I wanna say secondly, secondly, thank you ladies for, for caring for and raising your own children and or investing in the lives of other people's children. Verse 3 says, then Elimelech, that was Naomi's husband, Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. Now we are not told how old Naomi's children were when her husband died, but it is apparent that for at least some years she was a single mother, as some of you are. She was a single mother who made um, the very best of trying to provide for her family, for her children, as you are doing so as well. Furthermore, most likely Naomi had to raise children who were probably not in the best of health. Why do I say that? Because one of her sons had the name Malon, M-A-H-L-O-N, which means sickly or weakling. Her other son's name was Kilion, K-I-L-I-O-N, whose name means wasting away. Now, some of you know that in those days they tended to give names uh, for various different reasons. But those names suggest to us that unfortunately her children faced uh, various health challenges. Naomi was a dear woman. Naomi was a dear woman who faced the challenge of raising two precious boys, Malon and Killian, who were often sick and perhaps constantly, constantly facing health challenges. Most of you mothers listening today have also had times. You've had times, and some of you are going through a time right now, you've had times when for days or weeks or months, you have poured out, you've poured out extra love, care, and patience in caring for your sick child or for some other family member or for someone else's child. When, uh, when our grown-up son, Jeremy, had his open-heart surgery a few months ago, my wife, Cindy, here, as well as his dear wife, Kirby, were constantly, constantly doing all that they could at the Toronto General Hospital. And afterwards, uh, when he got home from surgery, his his mother and his wife were just constantly doing all they could to help him, to help him bounce back and to heal up properly after the major operation. When our little grandson, Yanni, who was going to be three at the end of this month, when our little grandson Yanni is sick, my wife, my wife Cindy is there to help him and to help our daughter and son-in-law take off some of the pressure of caring for a feverish child, a child that sometimes can be very demanding when he is very sick. After Naomi's husband died, she, um, she carried out her duties as a, mo- as a mother under great adversity. And many of you here, Many of you, dear ladies, are doing the same. In some cases, you have been widowed, separated, divorced, or abandoned. In other cases, you are married, but unfortunately your husband, your husband doesn't help much with the kids, or he doesn't help much around the house. And so to you husbands, I say, smarten up, is an amen from the women. To you, husbands, I say, smarten up. Ladies, ladies, (laughs) ladies, I, I try to be a help to you. And others of you, others of you have a child that is very difficult and rebellious. And if you are a son, if you are a son or a daughter that is a pain to your mother instead of a pleasure, smarten up smarten up, decide on this Mother's Day that you're gonna change your ways, all right? You're gonna change your ways and you're gonna smarten up and you're gonna start to be more concerned about pleasing your your mother and cooperating and doing what you should be doing. They say what goes around comes around, right? Thank you, ladies, for caring for and raising your own children And or investing in the lives of other people's children. A lot of the wonderful qualities in our two children, Amy and Jeremy, are the result. They are the result of the prayers, the love, the care, the babysitting of Aunt Ruth Jennings. Who never married and never had her own biological children. Many of you knew Aunt Ruth. She went to be with the Lord five years ago. And Aunt Ruth was a great blessing not only to our own children but also to many of the kids here in our church, to many of your kids. And I just want to say that a lot of the positive characteristics in our two children are also also the result of the excellent Sunday school teachers that they had growing up here in Rosewood Church, Um, the wonderful, wonderful children's church leaders they had, the faithful caravan club leaders that uh, they, they enjoyed, and, um, and the marvelous preteen and youth leaders that they were blessed by. And so I thank the Lord. And a lot of those leaders were women, were women across the years as our son and our daughter were growing up. Now, whether or not you are a biological mother, you can still invest in the lives of other people's children. Thank you for doing so. Thank you to the hundreds of you ladies who are investing through various ministries in the lives of other people's children here in our own Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. Gentlemen, would you give them a hand, please? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Then thirdly, I want to say thank you ladies for being patient and understanding when your children when your children have done something you wish they had not. How many of you have had a child or more than one do things you wish they had not? Put, put your hand up, put your hand up. Oh yes, oh yes, all right. This truth came to my mind when I read, uh, oh, probably, probably the only one that, you know, that always did what mom said. Probably the only one would have been uh, Dr, Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar here. Uh, uh, (laughs) Uh, I better not allow her mother to speak. (laughs) Uh, Her mother is saying, yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Pastor Lisa has been an outstanding child growing up. Now a wonderful young adult. Amen. Anyway, uh, this truth came to my mind when I read verse 4. And... uh, Verse 4 says, where is it here? The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malon and Killian died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Now, that tells us that Naomi, Naomi's two sons married Moabite women which probably would have been a great disappointment to Naomi. You might say, why? Why? Here's why. Because Jewish parents expected their sons and daughters to marry a Jew. The Moabites were not Jewish. Even though Naomi and her family had moved from Israel to Moab due to the famine Friendly relations with the Moabites were discouraged. Moabites were not allowed to worship at the tabernacle because they had not let the Israelites pass through their land during the exodus from Egypt. In fact, in fact, there's a Bible verse in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 6, which says this. It says, As long as you live, you must never promote the welfare and prosperity of the Ammonites or Moabites, That's what a lot of the people had to live with. Most likely, Naomi, at least initially, would have been very disappointed, but her sons did did not marry Jewish girls. That was the fact. Even though, even though Orpah and Ruth turned out to be outstanding young ladies. They were. Mothers, in your lives across the years, it's possible that your son or daughter did something you wish they had not. Perhaps your son or daughter dropped out of school when they should not have, and that really bothered you. You begged them to not hang out with the wrong crowd, but they would not listen, and they got into trouble. You taught your child never to steal, but then you got a phone call from the police department saying your son or daughter has been, as someone said, has sticky fingers. <laughs> your son or daughter has been arrested for shoplifting or for stealing a car or for stealing something else. And you and you began to weep because of that phone call. Or you taught your children to never use drugs and then one day your heart was broken when you discovered that he or she was not only using drugs, but he or she was actually a drug dealer and your heart was broken again. Others of you repeatedly told your kids to not have sex, to not have sex before marriage, but they didn't listen. And both families had to wrestle, wrestle with an unexpected and an unplanned pregnancy, and when some of you have faced a situation with a pregnancy outside of marriage, some of you have said to me, Pastor Nick, what should we do? What should we do? And I have said to you, I've said, be patient and understanding with your son or daughter. I have said to you, do not allow anyone to think of an abortion. Do not allow anyone's mind to go towards that word, abortion. And I have said to you, love your son or daughter. Pray for the safe birth of your grandchild. And when that precious little baby arrives, shower him, shower him or her with all the love that you can give that precious little one. Amen. And I've seen, I've seen numbers of people do that across the years. I have said to you, help your son or daughter in every way possible and enjoy, enjoy that little grandson or that granddaughter, amen? I want to commend, I want to commend many of you mothers and fathers for showing patience and understanding when your child did something you wish they had not, right? Now, I don't, have, I don't have too many regrets in my life. But here is a regret. Here is a regret that uh, I do have, which involves a time when I didn't listen to my mother. If you talk to my mother, I think she would still say, my Nicky, he was a good boy. He was a good boy. All right? But I have to be honest with you and say, after I finished the Bachelor of Science degree at the University of Toronto, I then prepared to leave the city to go to Kansas City, Missouri to study at Nazarene Theological Seminary to prepare to become a minister. I, uh, I finished my first year and then flew back to Toronto or maybe I got to drive back with somebody, however I got back here anyway, so I finished my first year, and while I was down there, I discovered they did not have very good public tra- transit. It, sometimes you would wait 45 minutes, an hour for the, for the bus. It was pretty common to do that. Anyway, when I was back for that summer, um, my sister, my younger sister, had a little rusted out, old, beat up car that she got fed up with because it broke down on Highway 401 several times, and after that happened several times, she, uh, she said, family, I'm going to throw away, I'm going to take my little uh, rust bucket to the junkyard. And I, I said, I'll Elsie, I'll Elsie, uh, if you're going to do that, could I maybe have it, please? Could I maybe have it? Oh, you can have it, Brother Nick, you can have it. So uh, my mother said, well, what, what do you want it for, Nico? What, like, what do you want the car for? I said, well, Mother, you know, I'll fix it up a little bit and uh, I'm going to take it with me to Kansas City because they don't have good bus service in Kansas City. She said, what? You're going to do what? She said, you, know, you see how many times it's broken down for your sister? You want that car? You're not going to take that car. No, you're not taking that car. I said, Mother, take it easy. I know a lot more about cars than my sister does. You know, if it breaks down, I I know usually what to do to fix it. It was a very simple, basic car. She said, no, Nico, you're not taking the car. I I said, mother, please, please, you know, please, please. You know how some of your kids begged you? Any of you? Please. Well, anyway, anyway, the bottom line is, the bottom line is, I, I, I drove that car. I drove that car down to Kansas City. Um... You know, I, I got there, it wasn't a big problem, I got there, but, um, but uh, then I drove back for Christmas, you know, spend Christmas with my family and with our church family at Kennedy Road. So I, I drove back at Christmas, and then I had to drive back to Kansas City. It's an 18-hour drive, you know, without stopping. It's an 18-hour drive. Well, let me tell you, it is no fun, no fun driving from Toronto to Kansas City at the end of December okay, don't do it, don't do it, all right, because the weather conditions were terrible. For half the drive, I could only go maybe 50, 60 kilometers an, an, an hour. Anyway, I say that, I say that to, say, to say this, to say this. 30 years later now, it still bothers me. It still bothers me that I didn't listen to my mother. Uh, I mean, I was safe and all that. But it still bothers me that, um, that I caused my mother a lot of worry and my father. You know, I would, never, I would never want my son or daughter or your son or daughter to drive the kind of car that, that I had, that I got from my sister. I would never want anyone's child to drive that car over 18 hours to some other part of the world. And eight, 30 years later, it still bothers me that I caused my mother a lot of worry. And I, I tell you that story, not because I'm proud of it, I'm not. I tell it to you to say to, uh, to children and young people and even adults, listen, don't, don't do things that will cause your mom and dad and family unnecessary extra worry. Right? If I were to ask, How many of you mothers have have spent a lot of time worrying because of things your kids did? A lot of hands would go up. I mean, we trust in the Lord, but but there's also the human element. Anyway, let's move on from that. Uh, Let me take you to a fourth truth, and it is this. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies, for making a spiritual impact. I want you to notice the spiritual impact which Naomi had upon Ruth. After Naomi's two sons had died, she told their wives, Orpah and Ruth, that they should return to their parents' homes in Moab. Ruth's response to Naomi is one of the most memorable pledges of devotion and love ever spoken. Pastor Simpson, these words are just so beautiful, are they not? Verse 16, look at verse 16. Read it in unison with me from the big screen. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Isn't that beautiful? I want you to notice those closing words there. Your God will be my God. God. Naomi had made a spiritual impact upon Ruth. And many of you ladies here have made and are making a spiritual impact upon your children, your grandchildren, other family members, other people's children. And I want to say, children, youth, and other adults, your mother or your grandmother, your auntie, your sister, or some other woman, has probably been praying for you and has been encouraging you to say, as, as um, Ruth said, your God will be my God. Who is this God? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And on this Mother's Day, I invite you to sincerely pray, dear God, I dedicate my life to you. I want to live my life devoted to Jesus Christ. Will you make that decision today? On Mother's Day, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to say, I will become a Christian like my mother, like my grandmother, like my auntie, amen, Amen? And then number five, I want to say thank you, ladies, for loving us forever. Loving us forever. Throughout the story of Naomi, we see Naomi loving her husband, her children, as well as Ruth and Orpah forever. There is this beautiful story that says, a mother held her new baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The baby grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was two years old and he ran all around the house. He pulled all the books off the shelves. He pulled all the food out of the refrigerator and he took his mother's watch and flushed it down the toilet. Sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me crazy. But at nighttime, when that two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed, and if he was really asleep, She picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. While she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The little boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was nine years old. And he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath. And when Grandma... Visited, he always said bad words. Sometimes his mother wanted to sell him to the zoo. (laughs) But at nighttime, when he was asleep, the mother quietly opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of the bed. And if he was really asleep, she picked up that nine year old boy and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. The boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a teenager. He had strange friends and he wore strange clothes and he listened to strange music. Sometimes his mother felt like she was in a zoo. But at nighttime, when that teenager was asleep, the mother opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of the bed. If he really was asleep, she picked up that great big boy and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. That teenager grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a grown-up man. He left home and got a house across town. But sometimes, on dark nights, the mother got into her car and drove across town. If all the lights in her son's house were out, she opened his bedroom window, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of his bed. If that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Well, that mother, she got older. She got older and older and older. And one day she called up her son and said, you'd better come see me because I'm very old and sick. So her son came to see her. When he came in the door, she tried. She tried to sing the song. She sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. But she couldn't finish. She couldn't finish because she was too old and too sick. The son, the son went to his mother. He picked her up and rocked her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he sang this song. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always as long as I'm living. My mommy, you'll be. And when the son came home that night, he stood for a while at the top of the stairs. Then he went into the room where his very new baby daughter, his very new baby daughter was sleeping. He picked her up in his arms and very slowly rocked her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, And while he rocked her, he sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. And so now I invite a new father. Who himself, just uh, three months ago, welcomed into his heart and life a little baby girl that he's been rocking back and forth, back and forth. And saying, as long as I'm living, my daddy, your daddy, your baby, you'll be my baby. Amen. Amen. This is Kirby and Jeremy and their precious little baby. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Baby Everly Ruth Stavropoulos.
1: Uh, It's been a a number of years since 2008. We made it a a tradition here that I would write a song to honor uh, my mom, but all of you aunts, grandmas, you name it. Anyone who invests into children. We thank you, we love you, God bless you. And uh, this is an extra special Mother's Day for me uh, because it's my wife's first Mother's Day. And as my dad said, yes. So as I sing, I hope that you'll be blessed um, and that you'll hear the words, not from me, but from your own children and uh, and and enjoy oh May these words be the first to find your ears our world is brighter than the Sun now that you're here and though your eyes we need some time to adjust to the overwhelming light Surrounding us She'll give you everything she has She'll teach you everything she knows I promise she's your mother She will always hold you close She will learn to let you go I promise she's your mother She'll soften every edge Hold the world to its best I promise your mother with every heartbeat she has left she will defend your every breath cause she's your mother cause you are loved you are loved more than you know we hereby pledge all of our days to prove it so is far too young to realize the unimaginable light gracious love and endless strength has led us here. And though there are times we realize it has been tough to keep us safe and from the harm surrounding us everything you have you teach us everything you know we promise that we are grateful that we will always hold you close and we will learn to let you know we promise we are grateful you rearrange the stars pull them down to where we are we promise we are grateful with every heartbeat we have left may our lives and words reflect we are grateful, because moms, you are loved. You are loved more than you know, and we hereby pledge all of our days to prove it so, mom give her everything i have i'll teach her everything we know we promise we are grateful she will always hold you close and we will always let her know we promise that we are grateful with every heartbeat she has left may her life and words reflect that she is grateful and we will sacrifice our rest to give her all we know that's best We are grateful.